Welcome back to Behind the Bench with Carter Eckle. This is episode 17. I am your host, Carter E. I'm the sports director of the Nevada News Group. You can find all my work online, Nevada Appeal, Record Courier. I think you know all that jazz by now for our consistent listeners. However, I do have to give a shout out to today's sponsor. That is Double J Auto in Gardnerville. You can find them online at doublejautonv.com. They also can find a link in the description of the show notes here. Same with our other sponsor, which is Jeff Mulvahill, sitting across from me. He's also our producer. You can find his work online at www.instaimage.com. A lot to talk about, Jeff. I left town for the weekend. Tom Brady, unretired. Baseball started again with ended the lockout. I think Manfred knew I was coming for him. I'm just kidding. I don't know where Manfred is on a day-to-day basis. And uh, we had quite a few trades in the NFL. We're not going to talk a lot about that, though, today. But a lot going on this weekend in the weekend of sports. We do have plenty to touch on from local sports on that side of things. Spring sports now well underway with baseball, softball, swimming, diving, track and field. We've got all that going. I know golf is getting rolling as well. We're going to start with some Douglas baseball and softball updates there. Then we will touch on Carson baseball and softball, though they have had a few off days in the past really over this past weekend or so. So not as much to touch on there, but we will get to that. Like I said, a little swimming, a little diving. You had a very interesting experience this weekend out in the Bay with uh, some orienteering. So we will let Jeff talk about that. And then I'll briefly touch on March Madness brackets at the end of the show, because why not? You know, everybody loves March Madness bracket, except Jeff. I don't think Jeff likes March Madness brackets. You got to watch. <laughs> no, you really always, don't. I mean, the word That's Cinderella the team came out of that, right? That's the best part. You don't have to watch. And then you can start watching now, and it'll be so much fun. Especially you didn't since, miss anything if you just start now. Well, especially since men's college basketball isn't as much fun as it used to be. But that might be a hot take for some of you listening at home. However, not going to start there. We are going to start with Douglas Baseball, who is and 5-2. Alrighty, to start the year with wins over Carson Reed and Damani Ranch. Most recently, that's a nice little trio of wins here for the Tigers early on in the season. I described it in the season preview from, I described head coach Ryan Gonzalez's attitude as cautiously optimistic in the season preview because I do think he saw and still sees a lot of the talent they may have on that team that may put them in a pretty good place. However, Douglas has not had those results yet to really back that up. And I don't think he's wants to get too far out ahead of himself. And you know how baseball coaches are. There's no, it's one game at a time, one pitch at a time. You know, we're taking everything very, very micro mentally. And uh, however, at five and two, Douglas does have a nice look at some of what will be the, your solid pieces this year. Thomas Young in the leadoff spot, a sophomore has come on very nicely. He had five RBIs in the two wins combined this past weekend over Reed and Damani Ranch. James Hubbard had a very nice outing against Carson going six strong, not giving up an earned run in that 10-3 win over the Senators last week. And then Keegan Stooks came in against Damani Ranch through six innings, 111 pitches with 13 strikeouts and one walk. That'll do it. Uh, that's a great way to get some solid success and really help your team out, especially on the offensive side of things. Douglas had nine hits, uh, three RBIs in that win over Damani Ranch. Ashton, Ashton Davenport was credited with the third RBI there. Thomas Young had three more against Reed, and then Carson Hill added three RBI of his own. 
in a 14-5 win over Reed. Carter Bleeker had two more runs as well. So a Douglas team proven it can hit. They actually scored nine of those runs in the seventh inning. So it was 5-5 against Reed going into the seventh inning before Douglas put up a nine spot to cap that one to move to five and two. Like I said, so a solid start for the Tigers so far this season. Moving over to Douglas softball, they are four and four. Not a lot to report there at the moment. There will be plenty coming here in the future. They are over or have been over on the other side of Sierra in California playing a tournament. They've had some tough opponents to start out the season. They obviously opened the year up with Spanish Springs, which is no, no joke there and have followed with a lot of quality looks from good teams out in California. They also have some wins over some pretty big name schools from the, from California, such as modern day, who I'm sure most people have heard of for their football prowess, but yeah, some, some big wins there, some tough competition, John Glover and company fully expect to be at the top in the top bunch of the class 5A North this year on the softball field in the circle. We will see plenty of Talia Tretton and Mackenzie Willis, both returning from the all region teams last year. Tretton was a first team selection. Willis was a second team selection behind the plate. Riley Blair comes back for her senior season. She can mash hit the ball really well last season. Lots of returning talent on the infield as well. Emma Glover will take over on the hot corner along with some other players there at first base. Kind of a, might be a rotation of sorts for the Tigers. The infield, you got Ava McNinch returning. The outfield, Emma Stagliano also comes back. Both all-region selections from a year ago. And then some younger, less experienced players filling in in other spots will kind of be where the Tigers will have to I guess, figure out how much production they're going to get from where. But like I said, a Tiger team that fully expects to have some pop, you know, one through one through six, if not one through seven or eight in that that lineup. And with uh, two two all region pitchers coming back, Douglas should absolutely be making some noise as we hit league play. Obviously not quite there yet, but we are we are getting there. Slow start to the week with uh, everybody's on the road here Tuesday, so won't see any live coverage from me, but I know there's still plenty of stuff to talk about with those two teams. As I kind of alluded to at the beginning, Carson Baseball and Softball, both with open slots here over the weekend. Carson Baseball sits at 2-3-1, and one, that one being a tie to Spanish Spring since it was a non-league game. They did not go into extras to determine a winner there. Carson softball sits at 0-2, a 3-2 loss to McQueen, and then a 9-1 loss to Reed. Casey Johnston has had a nice little start. She's 3-for-6 from the dish for the Senators so far. She had a go-ahead home run against McQueen in the seventh inning. However, the Lancers were able to get two back in the bottom of the seventh to squeak out of that one. So one that got away, but it was also the season opener for Carson. So that, that stuff happens when you open up the year and are kind of getting your, your feet back under you, especially in those awfully frigid temperatures in northern Nevada when it comes to early spring sports. Jeff, I know you have plenty of experience in those realms. Most of my cold weather gear is because of baseball season. <laughs> and everybody everybody from the northern part of the U.S. thinks that it's just there. I mean, I guess it does say northern Nevada. It's, it is a little implied. Still, it's... Over to swimming and diving. Quick update from the pentathlon this weekend at the Carson Aquatic Center. Just run through some quick results here. On the girls' side, Alexandra Lamas-Cruz was fourth for the Senators in 449-57. Sophia Delange was sixth for Douglas, while Alexandria 
Nerska was seventh. Forgive me on pronunciations here. Bryn Russell was ninth for the Senators. I will make sure to get those right in the future if any of them were incorrect at the moment. Over to the boys' side, we got Nicholas Mels- Melsheimer was third for the Senators in 4-14-89. Douglas is Calvin Stevenson right behind him in fifth in 4-16-40. And then Jesse Lopresto in 4-23 flat was Douglas's final swimmer in the top 10 there. They are through two meets so far this year. A lot of those will be at the Carson Aquatic Center this season as as per seasons past. On the track, both Carson and Douglas had home meets this past weekend, and boy, oh boy, do we have a good look at what could be some fun times on the track side of things, at least as far as being competitive at the top of their classes. Natalie Wakeling and Jessica James for Douglas and or for excuse me for Carson and Douglas girls respectively both win their sprints in the 100 200 and 400 check that uh just Jessica James won in the 400 Netherland Wakeling did not run in the 400 for the Senators so watch out when those two meet up at the same meets expect to see them competing neck and neck just like they did last year on the track Ava Brim was second for the Senators in the 100 as well Nicholas Batin was fourth for Carson in the 100. However, he turned that around in the 200 where he finished second. You want to take any guesses at who was first? He happens to be a D1 running back for McQueen. I think I give it away. It's Ashton Hayes. You, you will see a lot of those football football players up there uh, as well. Batin was also first in the 400 for the Senators. Kalen Bloomfield took first in the 300 meter hurdles and 5506, just edging out Virginia City's Calia Anchors and 5507. So a really tight one there. In the relays, Carson's four by one was in first place, and Carson's four by four took first place as well. Kai Miller was first in the 110 meter hurdles on the boys' side. Ioane Tuia was first in the 300 hurdles. Like I said, you start seeing some of those those football names hiding out there. Carson boys four by one had third and fourth place in the relay and eighth. Quite a lot of sprinters for the senders. Just scrolling here through the rest of the results. Kai Miller already committed to college for the pole vault, cleared 15-3 to win that by uh, over six feet. So expect to see him start, start, (laughs) continue to uh, set records for the senators and push, push those, those records there. Uh, re- around the rest of the Douglas meet, Dakota Jones was third for the Tigers in the 100-meter sprint. He was sixth in the 200. In the 400, Douglas had first and second between A.J. Thurston and Grady Friendsdorf. They are a junior and senior, respectively, there. Jackson Davis had a couple nice results for the Tigers on the longer events as well. And Jessica James also won the long jump. Caleb Lewis was second in the shot put and first in the discus as well for the Tigers. And then the long jump sophomore Ethan Palmer hit 510, which was a new PR for him to win the high jump. Rock Gignac was first in the long jump as well, clearing 18.5 and a quarter for Douglas. Dakota Jones was right behind him in second. Gignac was also first in a triple jump. Ethan Palmer took second. So lots of quality stuff going on on the track here early on in the season. There'll be plenty more from those as 
track and swimming both tend to average about one meet a week, though I know Carson swimming does not have anything going on next week. All right, Jeff, let's hear a little bit about your orienteering adventures from this weekend and what exactly orienteering may be for those of you unfamiliar like I was up until last week. So I'm, I'm, <clears throat> I'm probably not going to get this exactly perfect because I, I understand what they're trying to accomplish, but I don't know all the nuances about it. But these kids, which there's an orienteering team here at Carson High School, they're ROTC kids. This, is, uh, this weekend's event was a national event for the ROTC programs. It's a, obviously a Navy-based uh, event. And the kids show up. They're told where to start, and they're handed a map at the start. They have a compass, and they have a thumb drive that they strap to their index finger, or other fingers, because in some cases I got the finger, but it was because they were holding <laughs> up their thumb drive. And they are to navigate to, most of the courses had about 17 points where they had to stop. Uh, first of all, navigate to it with just a compass. And then the map would tell them if they were at the correct location, because there's a number designation for the little box that they plug the uh, thumb drive into. Mm -hmm. and, I know I'm going to get butchered because it's not technically called the thumb drive, but we'll give it to you. That's what it looks like. And that's <laughs> what it actually is. Um, and then as soon as they check into that point off, they go to the next point, the longer courses, the green course, uh, they went on Saturday. It was five kilometers, brutal, brutal terrain. Um, I haven't, I have the maps and I haven't quite calculated exactly what the descent and ascent they were, but um, I, I was up on a bluff photographing across the ravine to one of the other markers and it's extremely small and I'm zoomed in on it. And I'm going to say it's probably, it's probably a half mile away from me as the crow flies, but it was straight down and straight back up to that thing. And those kids, some of them would just straight line it and go straight down the hill and straight up the hill and, you know, get to get to the top where I was panting and trying to find the marker that I, I wasn't standing next to it to, you know, I don't want to give it away, but there was different courses running all at the same time. So four different courses were running simultaneously. The kids leave at different times from each other and you do it as a team. So that's, uh, the psychology you and I have talked to before about different, different sports and different psychology. We've touched on a little bit about tennis, uh, last week, but when they get to me and try to orient themselves, figure out where they're at and then start. And I knew where two of the marks were because I was standing next to them on purpose or somewhat close to them and them trying to figure out, okay, where am I? Where do I have to go? And then messing around with their compass. It was very interesting watching, you know, and these are, these are young kids, um, you know, freshmen through seniors. And you could definitely tell the, the more advanced on the longer courses because they were running, um, you know, and there's obviously cross-country kids that were there as well. So uh, it was it was a cool event, 500 kids from all over the country, a lot of Florida teams, uh, the Alabama teams. They were complaining about, you know, and, and we're used to it here. We, we have mountains here, and they were like, well, these are huge mountains. And we're like, no, these aren't mountains. These are hills in, in the Bay Area. I would love to know the number of rolled ankles the combined number of rolled ankles over the course of this whole event. I would, I would venture to say we're probably two dozen. 
Um, and a lot, and, and a lot of them kept going. We did have one, um, one situation on Saturday that one runner came across another runner that had passed out. Oh, wow. And he sacrificed his race and took her, uh, back to a checkpoint where there's people and, uh, he gave up, he DNF'd because of that. Um, <coughs> and they recognized him at the end. I mean, he did the right thing. And that was, that was, you know, 500 people staring at you and you're getting recognition for doing the right thing. That was pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. Um, As we talk about all the time, there are some things bigger than sports or competition. Yeah, absolutely. I was laughing with the parents because at the end of the event each day, I went back to the not really campground area, but the parking area and was talking with some of the parents and, and some of the kids would get to the checkpoints and I'd hear them cussing and, you know, cause they, they check into the wrong point. Um, you know, you're supposed to be 50 yards the other direction and you're at the wrong one and you're like, well, I thought I was in the right spot, but I'm not. So it was, it was quite humorous to be, to be out on the course and, and to see them run by. And a lot of the kids had good spirits and were, waving to me and <laughs> it, was, it was good so took a ton of photos uh I, and i have to get through them all i've got about 3500 photos to go through so it was fun once again you can find those photos on instaimage.com there's a little plug for your uh your efforts jeff it sounds like it was quite the event to yeah. to attend to close out things here with uh, episode 17 we'll just run through a little bit of a little bit of march madness i'm not going to go through my whole bracket or anything like that that just take way too much time however for those of you who have made it this far i will try to hopefully give you a little bit of advice that may help you out in your brackets you'd be amazed how little little people know about college basketball myself included to be completely honest with you guys but kenpom.com if you are unfamiliar with the kenpom rankings typically Final four contestants are almost always top 10 teams in the Kempom rankings. Not, not always. Basketball, especially March Madness, is definitely random enough that there are certainly teams that, you know, go on these, these Cinderella runs, as you said earlier, Jeff, and you just can't, kind of can't predict them. However, with the Kempom rankings, you do get a little bit of a, a little bit of a heads up as to, to what are the best teams and, I know all you folks may start when you hear me talk about analytics and argh, numbers, but however, at the end of the day, when you've played 34 some odd games, you are going to have offensive and defensive efficiency numbers that are going to give you a much better look at your team and with the added benefit of strength of schedule and all that jazz and luck and you name it. So teams that tend to make Cinderella runs tend to have the tend to have top 10 or high rankings in either adjusted offense, adjusted defense, or both. Gonzaga is by far and away the leader on the Kimpom rankings. They are first in adjusted offense this year, seventh in adjusted defense, number one overall seed. Kind of goes without saying. However, Houston this year, Houston is a five seed. Houston is number four in the Kimpom rankings. So watch out for the Cougars. They are 10th and 11th in adjusted offense and adjusted defense. Arizona and Tennessee are both in that little quadrant. Arizona's two, Tennessee is seven. So could be some uh, crazy matchups to come out of there. UCLA, a four seed, is number eight in the Kimpom rankings as well. Texas Tech has the number one adjusted defense. They are a three seed, number nine in the Kimpom rankings. Just a little bit of stuff there. Kentucky at number three. Kind of see some of these schools. Wisconsin, way down there as a three seed. So if you're thinking about picking Wisconsin, I don't know, maybe, maybe hold off on the Badgers. But something to keep in mind there. 
for those of you curious at home, I guess I can give you my final four. I, maybe I'll mess it up on purpose, so maybe I can have a couple chances of getting it right and say I was correct. But I'm almost positive from the bracket I filled out last night. It's My final four was Gonzaga, Kentucky, Tennessee, and Kansas. I'm almost positive it was my final four. All four in the Ken Palm top ten, so I'm picking chalk, as they would say. Nothing too crazy to, uh, to look out for there, but I guess as a three seed, I have UCLA making the Elite Eight, too. I have them knocking off Baylor in the... What would that be? The Sweet 16. So just some things to keep in mind there. Obviously, there are more ways you can look at rankings and defensive and offensive metrics to convince yourself of whatever you want when it comes to March Madness. Uh, every year we do also put together, me and my buddies put together a coin flip bracket where we flip a coin for every matchup and we'll throw it into our pool and just see if the coin flip bracket beats anybody because it is the ultimate way to just talk mess to your friends if they lose to a bracket where you flip a coin because typically there's two or three 16 seeds that make it out of the first round <laughs> but anyways i've babbled on long enough here where do you where do you do, you do this back at officially online or yeah we've got we've got little pools on espn.com okay. or on cbs yahoo take your pick of uh of base sites i've always preferred espn just because it's the one i got to know as a kid and it's kind of the the friendliest uh visually uh, in my opinion, but that may be because it's the one I'm used to the most and have used the most, but that's going to do it for episode 17 of behind the bench. A big thank you again to our episode sponsors, Jeff of instaimage.com and double J auto in Gardnerville. Once again, you can find them online at www.doublejautoinv.com and in the link of the description, check me out on Twitter at Carter Eckel ECKL or online at the Nevada appeal and record Thanks again for listening, and we will catch you guys next week.